How are we this morning? Good. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to turn to Galatians chapter 2. I'm going to be in verses 15 through 21 this morning. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, right in there. And as you're turning and finding your place, I'm going to pray. Father God, Lord, I'm just incredibly grateful that you would be among us. And Lord, because of the cross, that's possible. Lord, we can spend time in the Holy of Holies in our prayer closet, in our daily lives, in moments of musical worship, in moments of preaching. God, Lord, at any moment, at any time, we have access to you. And God, we understand and know today that it's only by the work and the power of the cross that that's even possible, God. So we pray today, Lord, that you would stir our affections to know your word, to see your word, to delight in your word, and God, honestly, just to trust your word. Father, I pray today that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our hearts to receive all that you have for us. God, that we would not together, when we look into this incredible book, God, Lord, that we, would, we wouldn't miss a thing, God. But that you would let us see, you would let us hear, you would let us receive. In Jesus' name, and everybody together said, Amen. Amen. Last week, we wrapped up the Sunday by introducing and kind of talking about a conflict between Paul and Peter. We talked about how uh, Paul just kind of put Peter on blast in front of everybody, right? All the, the, uh, the disciples and all the new converts and people who've been following Jesus for a while. And he asked him, he said, man, why are, you, why are you walking like a hypocrite? Don't you know, basically to summarize, don't you know that like, what you're doing is, is defaming the gospel and really kind of tearing down the authentic, true gospel of Jesus Christ? And we talked about and we gained hope last week because when Paul had to confront Peter because of his sin, it showed to us, and this is kind of the theme where we left it, the, the one phrase we keyed, on in, keyed in on together last week, that everyone is capable of falling. Everyone at some point will make a mistake and stumble in their sin, but that everyone through the work and power of Christ is worthy of the love of God. That's good news, right? Like we're, we're all prone to sin, we're all prone to fail, and he lifts it up. He's like, hey, look at this guy. He's a patriarch, right? He's, a, he's one of the three. Like, Jesus discipled him. Jesus poured into him. Jesus loved this guy, and he blew it. Sometimes we all find ourselves there, but we should never think that because of our sin or our, our failure that God in Christ doesn't love us. And I'm going to talk to you this morning about what that in Christ means and looks like. So in your Bible, Galatians 2, verses 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. For our, but if our endeavor is to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. If we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant to sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. And I have been crucified with Christ. 
It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I do not set aside or nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died in vain. This morning, what we're going to talk about is what it means to be justified by faith. Not by our own works, not by our own abilities, but to be justified. Let's think about what Paul says here. He says, we, you know that a person is not justified by his works, by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Justification. Listen, Martin Luther, he was kind of an important guy in the history of the church. He said that the, the doctrine of justification could be the foundational point of the church. This other guy who is kind of historical, his name's John Calvin. He had this really cool quote that said this, justification is the hinge on which the church should swing. It's the hinge on which the gospel swings. Justification by faith. So what does that mean? TJ, what is, what is justification? Is anybody, if, if you're anything like I was, I used to sit in church and when people would say words like justification, sanctification, soteriology, and all these things, I'd just be like, they're like, you know, like, whatever. So what does justification mean when, it look, when we're looking at Scripture? What does he mean that we're not justified by our works, but we're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I want to give you a working definition. I want you to hear this, jot this down. If you're texting a friend right now, just go ahead and send them this quote so you don't forget it. If you're on Facebook during the sermon, I get it. Sometimes I'm probably boring, so just update your status to this quote so you don't lose it, okay? Justification is the gracious act of God in which He declares a guilty, unrighteous sinner innocent and righteous. Justification is this one-time declaration from the throne room of God where God, in his love and graciousness and faithfulness, declares an unrighteous, unworthy sinner to be justified and to be righteous. Well, how does he do that? That's good news, right? That God the Father, the just judge, declares us innocent when we're not? It's the gracious act of God in which he declares a guilty, unrighteous sinner, innocent and righteous. But I want you to understand something, because when we talk about justification, we have to talk about our sin and what happens with our sin. And you being justified this moment, I'm going to read it one more time, the gracious act of God in which he declares a guilty, unrighteous sinner, innocent and righteous. In this moment, God doesn't just kind of sweep our sin under the rug. He doesn't just kind of take it from us. It had to be paid for. Like the price for our sin had to be paid. Because listen, our sin offends God. Our sin breaks the heart of God. I mean, think about it from a, a parent's perspective. If you're a parent in the room, if you're not, one day you can see this and delight in this and agonize over this and live in angst sometimes over this. But you pursue your child and you love them and you give them everything that they want, you feel like that they need in the moment and they rebel, they throw a fit, right? It's kind of like we take our kid to the, to the store sometimes. We ask our, our five-year-old last week, I'll share this brief story just because I love him and he's awesome. Last week, his birthday was the 21st, so... He turned five years old, and we said, you can go eat anywhere you want to eat, and you can, you know what, you can have any toy that you want. We'll take you anywhere to buy it. He was like, 
I'll tell you what, he's pretty, he's pretty sharp. He said, I want to eat at Red Lobster, and I want you to take me to Walmart. I'm like, okay. So we go to Red Lobster, and we're like, what do you want? He's like, I want a lobster. He's, he's five years old, right? He's like, we're a Red Lobster. I want a lobster. And so it's like, all right, Jesus, we're going for the ultimate feast. Let's dive in, right? So we get in this thing, and he's like, oh, this is terrible. So he ends up drinking some slushy and eating some broccoli or whatever he would eat in the moment. Some French fries probably dipped in ranch, knowing him. And then we took him to Walmart, and he was like, what toy do you want? You can have any toy you want in the store. Anyone. And he gets the toy, right? He take it home, and he starts complaining. You know, frustrated because it wasn't this toy or that toy or because they only had 37 Ninja Turtles in his room now instead of 40, you know. I think, man, that, that's our lives so often with God. In that moment, as a parent, I know, I know you felt this before, you're given everything that you could give and you, you do what you want. In this moment, they take what you've given and just poured on them and loved on them and tried to show them the gospel with and they just kind of throw it in your face and you're just like, oh, right? Anybody ever been there other than me? You're just like, that hurts. I didn't know I could hurt like that. I just got offended by a five-year-old. See, our, our sin offends the heart of God. God has given us and bestowed on us incredible gifts just to be able to breathe in a breath of air. is such a gift from God. And so many times with our lives when we walk in sin and we walk in rebellion, it, it offends the heart of God. And sometimes we, we, we think about God when he's offended just as this mean, wrathful king who wants to, 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 to just break us down because of our sin, and which in, in a lot of sense is true. But a lot of times I wish we could just see him as he is the father who when we sin, he's just offended in his heart. He's just broken. Hurt the heart of God. Right? All emotions that we have good come from the Father. So that, that feeling of being wronged and hurt. And when we sin, he's just he's broken. Not only does our sin offend God, but our sin separates us from God. It separates us from God. always has all through the scripture when God's people rebelled you think about go all the way back to the book of Genesis and you have Adam and Eve in the garden they're just walking with God had everything they could ever need I mean they, they, they did life with Jesus they did life with God right scripture said that they walked together they talked together and the Lord was walking in the garden in the cool of the day looking for Adam because Adam sinned he separated himself he went and hid in his shame Lord said, Adam, where are you? God knew where he was. I'm here. Well, why are you hiding? I've sinned. I've sinned. I'm paraphrasing. I've sinned. I've wronged you. The whole tree that I wasn't supposed to eat of, I ate. and I, I, I've wronged you. And see, in an instant, all humanity, when, when Adam and Eve were created, God looked and said, this is really, really good. And God was walking in tight fellowship with them. And the moment they sinned, there was this instant separation. Their relationship was never the same. There was this instant brokenness in, in the union with God and man. But, but aren't you glad that's not the end of the story? Aren't you glad that our sin doesn't define us? Check this out. Not only does our sin offend God, our sin separates us, causes that chasm between God and us, but our sin also causes spiritual death. Ephesians 1 and 2, 1, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, man. We were, we're dead. 
So not only does our sin offend and break the heart of God, our sin separates us from God and our sin causes us to be spiritually dead. If that were the end of the story, it'd be a bad story, wouldn't it? (laughs) Aren't you glad our sin doesn't have the final say? Anybody thankful for that this morning, that our sin does not have the final say in our lives? Yeah. Because this is what happens in justification. All of that sin, the sin that offends the heart of God, the sin that separates us from the heart of God, and the sin that calls us to be spiritually dead, this is what happens in justification. Christ absorbs that sin death. See, because of all that sin, there was no way we could dig ourselves out of that hole. Because of all that sin, there was no way that we could recreate this union. There's no way that we could satisfy this chasm. There's no way that we could build a bridge to God. There was nothing that we could do to get to God. That's what Paul is saying here, man. You're not justified by your good works. Like, like You can't rebuild this bridge by church attendance. You can't rebuild this bridge by not saying any bad words. You can't rebuild this bridge... By giving enough money in the offering plate, you can't do anything to satisfy this sin debt. Your sin has separated you from God. But thank God he said in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen, Christ Jesus absorbed your sin debt. Absorbed it in his own flesh. Meaning, he was absolutely sin. List. Never sinned, never lusted, never struggled with anger, never lied, never cheated, never stole. And he went to the cross that way. And while he was on the cross, he died a sinner's death, never having sinned, to absorb our sin. To take it away from you. But see, he didn't just expiate it. He didn't just pull it out of us. There was this exchange that happened. Augustine called it the great exchange. When he removed our sin debt, he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, that's the heart of justification. God paid your sin debt with the life, death, burial, and resurrection from Jesus. And then when Jesus ascended into heaven, God allowed the Holy Spirit to indwell us and fill us with Christ's righteousness. Therefore, no longer does God hold the charge of our old sin against us. He holds Christ's life to our account. Is that good news this morning? It's kind of like this. Let me show you this picture. When I was studying, I was just spending some time with Jesus, and I was writing. I thought about this picture. I'm standing there, right, and... This debt that I could never pay. My church attendance would never get me out of the jam I'm in. My tithe offering, my good works, my ability to my ability to not curse most of the time. None of that could do anything to set me free. I stood guilty and condemned in front of God. And this is what God did through Christ. He walked into the room and he the blood of Jesus kind of strokes this check for your sin. And he pays your sin debt off. And this is what's incredible about Christ. He could have just stopped there. He could have just paid for our sin and been done. But you know what he did? He turns to us. After he satisfies the sin debt on the cross, he turns to us. He strokes another check and he gives us an inheritance that we never deserved. 
an inheritance that we never worked for, we never owned, an eternal, secure inheritance in Him forevermore. That is justification by faith this morning. Us and our own works never being able to pay our way out of the jam that we're in because of our sin, but God just walking in the room and settling our sin debt and then turning and giving us an inheritance that we did not deserve. The moment we are justified before God, we are declared righteous forever. This is by faith, not by works. It's an act of God and not an act of man. Scripture says that it's an act of God so that nobody can boast. You know why we have to cling to this doctrine of justification by faith? Because the moment that we think that it's about our performance, our ability to perform well, our ability to Christian good, you know what I'm saying? Our ability to give money, our ability to go on mission trips, our ability to teach Sunday school, our ability to lead worship or to preach a sermon. When we start defining our faithfulness and favor before God on those terms, then on our good days, we feel really good, don't we? Well, I... I was patient with my kids. I was loving to my wife. Man, I'm, I'm pretty holy. I've got this thing under control, right? I paid for the car behind me at Starbucks because I'm so Christian today. And we think we've done something. But see, then on our bad days when we do, when we are impatient with our kids or when we're not very loving to our spouse or when we threw the car in reverse, the person behind us, right? Then we walk in condemnation because we think somehow that God loves us based on our ability to be good or be bad. That God's love towards us is defined by how good we can be. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. I mean, listen to what he says in the next verses. But if in our endeavor, 17 through 19, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we are found to be sinners, is Christ a servant to sin? No. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Paul was saying, listen, I don't, I don't want to rebuild that old system. He said in one piece of scripture, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I Man, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrew. Like, I, I followed the letter of the law perfectly. And it did not buy my salvation but when I was converted by the power of the Holy Spirit and I turned and began to follow this Jesus, He bought my salvation. And it's not about if I can be good today or if I'm bad today. It's about the life and the perfection of Christ. That's how I'm judged now before God. And that's good news. Paul's warning here Paul's warning the church in 17 and 19. Because as a church, it's so easy for us to, to make boxes, isn't it? He's like, don't, don't rebuild the old system. Well, I mean, I didn't cuss, I didn't, I didn't lie, I didn't cheat, I didn't steal, I didn't do these things, so I'm good. He said, no, 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 tear, tear down that system. Because that's not going to buy you salvation. Your salvation's been bought. Now it's up to you to believe and trust in the one who died for you. And that's what he says right here. Check this out. He moves on. The bottom line there before we move on. So what he's saying. Don't go back to thinking that your performance validates you before God. Do not fall into the performance trap. Your performance will never validate you before God. Christ Jesus has done the work. It is left to us to trust in and follow Christ. 
and live in his performance. Check this out. Paul begins to wrap it up like this in 20 through 21. He says, for I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives within me. And this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is what he's saying. I am dead. I'm dead to my sin. Like because I trust in the risen Savior, like I've been crucified with Christ. I realize that all of my sin, when Christ Jesus was crucified to the cross, all of my sin was nailed there. Every sin I would commit, every sin I have committed, every sin I will commit was nailed to the cross with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. So it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And here's the thrust. Here's the beauty of the text right here. It's Christ living in us, doing the work. See, well, teacher, aren't I supposed to follow Jesus? Yeah. Aren't, aren't I supposed to want to be moral and w- want to be like Good sometimes? Like, aren't I supposed to want to walk and live a life worthy of the gospel? Yes, but not in your own power. In the power of Christ that's living in you. It's the whole point of justification. We die to sin. We die to its power. We die to its presence. And ultimately, we die to the penalty of sin. Our sin is forever nailed to the cross. We don't live out of this place of fear and trepidation thinking God's going to drop the hammer on us every time we slip and fall. We live from a place of free grace knowing that God in His power when we slip and fall will be like a good father and He will pick us up. He will teach us through it and help us to not fall in that way again or to begin to walk into a life of purity away from a life of sin. That's what justification's about. Your salvation, hey, you didn't have anything to do with it. It was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. Your Christian life, you were saved by faith. This, you were justified by faith. Now you're going to live by faith. You're not going to live by your own works. You're not going to live in your own power. You're going to live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. And this may be you today. You may say, man, like I want to live that life. Like I, I, I want to live the crucified life. I want to live a life that's submitted and, and holy and acceptable to God. Like, I want to move away from my sin. I want to move into Christ. I want to pursue Him. But, but TJ, are you sure I have what it takes? Like, are you sure that I'll have what I need? Like, can this really happen? Like, can I be transformed from a sinner to a son? Can, from a, a sinner to a daughter? Like, can I really grow in Christ? Can I really mature in Christ? That's why we can't miss the text. He said, the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. Do I, do I have enough? Is God going to give me enough to help me live out a faith life, knowing that I'm justified by him, now living in faith, walking out my Christian walk? Can I do this? Listen, he gave you all that you'll ever need. He gave himself. This is the thrust of the text. Listen, don't, don't put your stock in your works or your ability to be good or your ability to be a good Christian. Put your faith... Push all your chips in on the life, death, and burial of resurrection and delight in Him. I love what David Platt said. He said, the Christian life is not so much about you and I living for Christ as it is trusting Christ to live for us, through us, and in us. This is faith. We can put all of our efforts on justifying ourselves by our works and our own righteousness and we will be exhausted 
And we will think that church is just a scheduled ritual that we do from week to week. But if we would delight in and look at Christ as our sufficiency and more than enough to not only save us but to keep us and to grow us in our faith, we can learn to delight and rest like never before. Paul closes out this thought where he says, I don't nullify the grace of God, or I don't set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died in vain. And this is what he's saying. If you still want to cling to that, that your righteousness bought you salvation, or somehow your good works can help you live out the Christian life, then Christ, His death, let's not even talk about it. It was worthless and nothing. He said, I don't nullify the grace of God. Because if righteousness came by our works, Christ died in vain. Aren't you glad today that Christ did not die in vain, but he died so that we could have life to the full and then live out a full life? Paul hits the nail on the head over and over and over that it is by grace through faith. Jesus is the solution to the problem of sin and to living the Christian life. How do I live a Christian life? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. How do I live out a Christian walk? Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Look to Christ. Lean on Christ. Depend on Christ. Spend time with Christ. And watch your faith life become saturated with the Spirit of Christ. Look to Christ. Lean on Christ. Depend on Christ. And watch your faith walk come alive with the Spirit of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness. I thank you for your faithfulness and for your power. Lord, we are really, really grateful today that we've been justified by faith, that it's not by our works. But God, that you didn't just leave us when you justified us. God, Lord, you gave us your spirit. And now, by faith, we can live out this Christian walk in you, God. We can delight in you and be satisfied in you and be forever changed in you. So, Lord, as we respond and just take a few minutes just to to think about you and to meditate on you, I pray that everything else would just kind of fade away in our hearts and our minds and that you, Jesus, would just take center stage. That everything else, God, would just kind of take a back seat and fade to the background and you would be the centerpiece of our affections. In Jesus' name.